Center. You guys ready to get in the Word? Come on, let's do this. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2 and verse 10. And as you're doing that, let me just share with you. I've got just a few minutes today. I don't have a lot of time, but I don't think we're going to need more than an hour or two <clears throat> to get through this this morning. But <clears throat> I had a great conversation with a young man last week. Um, he walked up to me. This isn't part of my notes, by the way, so this is extra time. But he said, I, I, uh, he said hey. And I said, what? You know, he told me his name. I said, oh, my name's Jim. We started talking. He goes, yeah, I know you're the, the guy up there that was talking and talking and talking. I said, that was me. He said, uh, I want to tell you something. I said, what? He said, I gave my life to Jesus today. Gave my life to Christ. He said, I've, I've been forgiven. I've been, um, uh, I, I committed my life. I'm trying to think of the, the language that he used, but it was a beautiful picture of I'm, I'm born again. And I said, oh, that's, that's so awesome. And so we immediately, and it's kind of an odd thing, but it's part of my culture, part of, of who I am as a pastor, to, to talk to people about what God saved you from. How many of you guys want to know somebody's testimony? What did God save you from? And he told me a great story of how, you know, October 7th last year and, you know, heard a voice and now has realized that voice is Jesus and, you know, all, all the dots have connected and he's seen the picture of Christ. And, and then the next question I always like to ask is this, and this is the one we're going to talk about for the next month. I, I now know what God saved you from but what do you think God saved you for? And one of the key things that, that really um, religion does not satisfy is we, we, we want to know what the rules are in religion. We want to know how to be on the right side of the line in religion. We want to know what we can do, can't do, the thou shalt, the thou shalt nots. But, but it, religion falls way short most often of really helping us discover why we're here. And so Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 we're going to do in just a moment. But I, I want you to know that for, we spend our time talking about the foundations of our, of our time. How do we spend our time? What, what not to waste? What we're never going to get back again. How to make it fruitful. We talked about our, our resources for the last month, the whole month of October. We talked about generosity and debt and, and just good stewardship, biblical stewardship principles. Today, we get to kind of shift the gear on the third part of this three-month series. And so the whole month of, what is It's November, right? How many of you guys... Like the day after Thanksgiving, you set up your Christmas tree. Anybody else got that sort of sickness? No? Oh, that's too bad. I started watching Elf like in July. So this is really exciting for me to be this close. So my goal for today is to begin the conversation that I believe will lead you to you. Evangelism is when we help someone to see Jesus and we lead someone to Christ. That's evangelism. It's getting them their eyes to open up, their faith to grow, their heart to, to just go, Jesus, it's you, and I receive you, and I accept you, and you accept me, and my sins are forgiven. That's, that's being born again. That's evangelism and the fruit of evangelism. But discipleship, everybody say discipleship. It's, it's different. And so we have made a great mistake through the years, through this last probably 30 years of church growth and church history by saying, how many of you guys want Jesus? Raise your hand. One, two, three. They raise their hand. They say a prayer. And we know what God saved them from. But understand this. Any relationship that doesn't go farther than the honeymoon, farther than the first kiss, farther than the first closed deal, farther than the initial stages, like, like what is this for? Why, why am I still here? If Jesus didn't have a purpose for you, you'd have said a prayer, raised your hand, He'd have snapped his fingers and you'd been with him, right? So there's a reason we're all still here. Somebody say amen. We're no mistakes, right? So I want to share with you really the core understandings of, of how we as a church for the last 10 years, certainly, because I wrote a book 10 years ago about this, but, but for really 25 years or more, how we've been helping people discover who they are, what they're doing here, and how to get to the, the fulfillment and enjoyment of uniquely being you for Christ in the world. It is the greatest way to live. When Jesus says, I promise you life and that more abundant, he's not talking about more stuff. He's talking about more him through you. 
more you knowing you, more you using you, more, more you being a hammer driving nails rather than a hammer saying, these screws just, just won't go in. I don't seem to be the right thing at the right place at the right time. My life is unfulfilling. I'm doing the exact same thing today that I was doing 10 years ago, and I hated it then. And what am I supposed to be when I grow up? I'm 50 years old. What am I supposed to be when I grow up, right? So I want to share with you this understanding. Here's five statements for you to consider. Number one, everyone has a why. Say it with me. Come on. Everyone has a why. Now, why is this? It's our purpose. Everyone has a why. Nobody here is a mistake. And forgive me if, if I'm contradicting your scientific mind. But it is my firmly held belief that no one here is, is a biological progression of goo to you through the way of the zoo. I, 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 find, I find the most dehumanizing, immoral, ridiculous theologies come when we remove God from our theology. Forgive me, but the reason we're, we, we killed as a human race any other portion of the human race is because we, we benefited from ignorance and deciding that life was not valuable. They're too old. They're too young. They're Jews. They're Nazis. They're whatever it is. Hear me. When we have done the worst things as humanity, we've only been able to do them by jumping over the fact that God made everybody valuable. So it is with a, a great sense of conviction that I would say to you, please look at the brilliance of creation and see your creator cheering you on to become what he created you to be. Second thing that we're really challenged with in this statement is the industrial age needed a, a, an 80% workforce. We need people to have basic skills of reading, writing, arithmeticking. And so we want them to go, come in like, like a raw materials in Henry Ford's factory and come out uh, a Model T on the other side. We want you to come in an ignorant five-year-old in kindergarten and come out having basic rudimentary skills after you graduate 12th grade. And so we can, we can use you in the factories, use you in the process. And I'm, I'm not saying Henry Ford's evil. I'm not saying school's a waste. I'm simply saying this. The, the environment that we create creates drones, not dreams. Does that make sense? So I'm not saying that educators don't inspire their students. I'm not. I'm saying the average child that I know in school is not inspired for whatever reason. And so we, we value so many things like reading, writing, and arithmetic, and we test those things. What we don't test is a child's ability to, to make up a new product, to network together sometimes with other students to accomplish a great task. And we find that in life, what's more valuable than just knowledge is wisdom which is knowledge applied, right? So the, you were fighting things. We're fighting a scientific community that says this is all nonsense, and we're fighting systems of our world that really just need necessary idiots, is what Stalin would have called them or Marx would have called them. We need, we need people that are just a part of our machine to build what we want in this life. But this is what God says about you. He says, for we are God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, in the English translation, there's some eloquence really missing. That word workmanship, we are God's workmanship, is the word poema, from which we get our modern word. Anybody know? Poem. You are the rhythmic, making sense, rhyming, every syllable matching every syllable, every stanza matching every stanza. You are a glorious, concise work of art. For we are God's masterpiece in progress. We are the poem that he is writing with our lives. We are part of the narrative of his great story. We are part of his family and his children. And he speaks into us and he gives us abilities, superpowers even, if you will, um, for those of you that are into all the like Ant-Man stuff, right? And he created, we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Everybody say works. <coughs> Interesting about these works is that they were prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, please hear me. It isn't like you were created and God went, huh, we better find something for Dan able to do because I gave him a lot of energy and he's going to need a place to focus at or he's going to drive everybody crazy. 
before there was a, a, a Dan Abel, there was a work for Dan Abel. Dan Abel was uniquely, trust me, very uniquely made for a specific series of tasks that are now waiting for him throughout the days of his life. He is the quarter-inch wrench looking for the quarter-inch bolt. He is the specific right person looking for the right time and the right place to be, not to do. And the same thing is true of everybody here. I just picked on Dan because he's in the front row. Does the preacher spit? Like the whole front row is empty. We're looking for more seats. Hey, man, Jim Flossed. Don't. It's just going to projectile, right? But Ohio State fans are used to being spit on, so that's why Dan's in the front row. So all of that felt right. All that, that just felt so good. Felt so good. Yeah, I'm sorry. Actually, he's a deacon and he decides my salary. Go blue. Um, now go, go Ohio State. Just, just go. Just go Ohio State. All right. Um, so God isn't trying to find something for you to do. God's created the something to do before he created you. Does that make sense? And what I'm trying to do right now, guys, is get you to feel a sense of purpose. Jim, I don't have a purpose. I'm an hourly wage. I screwed this nut into this bolt for a company I don't care about to buy things that, to impress people I don't know that I really can't afford, and, and I'm, I'm going to die hopefully with my last check bouncing and just get out of this life into the next. Please hear me. There is so much more in this life for those who recognize the uniqueness of their calling, the uniqueness of their anointing, the uniqueness of their gifts, the uniqueness of their purpose, and we're going to run after this for a month. The second statement I want you to consider is this. Those who haven't found their why have not yet found their way. Um, when your life is on track, it feels different than when your life is off track. Desi, you recently resigned from a teaching position. You're a trained educator. Um, you, you and Courtney have this, this, you know, this ability to impart knowledge. But just recently, because of your father's death and, and because of the shortness of life all of a sudden, Desi's decided to drop that and now is consulting and has a, a John Maxwell uh, uh, he's, a, he's a certified trainer who's training people. He just did a training for us last week. I'm telling you, I say he, they, she did most of the good stuff. They did training for us last week, and it was brilliant. And, and I never sat in his class. I never was in his weight room, <laughs> obviously. I never, you know, he coaches football and college ball player and all that kind of stuff. But, but when I was sitting in there, I'm like, they were born for this. Now, now, I guarantee you the benefits of being an entrepreneur, such as Blue Cross and dental and optical, not, they don't exist yet. I guarantee you the stability of a paycheck that came from being a teacher was great. But I think that God's going to use his season as a school teacher to be a trainer in the business world. Does that make sense? So even if you're not there yet, trust me, you're on your way there because God doesn't waste. He doesn't take shepherding as a waste of time. He takes it as preparation for being the king of Israel. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't take you know, getting good with a slingshot because you're bored and you're trying to, like, kill lions and bears or trying to eat your sheep. He doesn't waste that. He uses what seems like wasted time, redeems what we learned in those seasons of just abundance, waste, just the haystack with no needle, and he uses them to kill giants. I am telling you, everybody, no matter what, hear me, you may not have found it yet, but there's a reason for you being here. If you haven't found your why, you haven't found your way, and that's okay. Like, it's okay to be, I remember my wife used to drive her crazy. She, I was 30 years old, or 20, 29, 28 years old, and I'd say, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to be a youth pastor forever. Maybe we'll do it. And how many of you guys know that every time a husband dreams, a wife's security gland excretes a, a substance? You know? And I remember saying, listen, would you just figure out what you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, yeah, you know, I should be a grown-up by now. But it wasn't until we came here that all the, the disconnected dots of my experience, my life, my waste, my addiction, my military time, my, my, my police officer time, my, it all came together. I need to be a cop because I'm going to be your pastor. <laughs> I need to know who's lying and when. It really comes in handy. That's all. That's all I'll say about that, right? But let me say this, guys, and please hear me. There will always grow an eventual dissatisfaction 
with a Christianity that tells you what to do and what not to do, but doesn't tell you who you are. Because we will grow weary of obeying the do's and not doing the don'ts if there isn't some greater purpose that I'm living and dying for. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later on. Uh, normally when somebody says I'm not being fed, usually what they mean is I'm not being utilized in a meaningful way. You know why people go to a big church? They go to a big church because they connect with the leadership and the vision and they connect with the people around them. That's why they go there. That's why they stay there. You know why people go to a small church? Because they connect with the leadership and the vision and they connect with the people around them. Do you know why people leave a small church? Because they disconnect from leadership, vision, or the people around them. You know why people leave a large church? Because they disconnect from leadership, vision, or the people around them. What I'm trying to say is simply this. Whether you go to a large church, small church, in-between church, mega church, mega, 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 Craig Rochelle's Biceps Church, okay? The reason people are there and the reason people are not there, no matter which church it is, because we relate to what's happening and we're connected to the people that it's happening with around us. I'm saying this, say this. We are part of a body. Disconnected pieces die. So I'm here to tell you, if you haven't found your why and you haven't included it in some corporate, meaningful expression, there will always be a dissatisfaction, even if you quit smoking, even if you quit chewing, and even if you quit running with girls that do. I should be happier by now. I'm not doing the things that were worldly, but I still feel... Yeah, you know why? Because we weren't created just to be moral beings. We were created to be dangerous people. We were created to have meaningful, important, vital lives, right? Third statement to consider. God has hidden for us the clues of our why. And he's hidden them in the most brilliant place. He didn't hide them from us. He hid them for us. And he hid them in the place that we'd always have with us, which is us. Inside of your heart, we're going to get to three questions, and we're going to talk about these three questions because often these things are clues to who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Number four, those who find their why and live from it live abundant lives, and those who don't will not hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant because there wasn't a goodness to it and there wasn't a quality to the work of their lives. How could there be when it's a hammer trying to put in Phillips head screws? How could it be when it's a paintbrush trying to smooth out drywall? How could it be when we're not being what we're supposed to be, right? And, and faithful. Well, we might have been faithful, but if you're faithful to the wrong works, you don't get good, you don't get faithful. How many guys, don't, don't raise your hand, but you're, you're overwhelmed and simultaneously somehow under-challenged? That, that may be a clue that you're, you're actively engaged in something you might not have been created to do. Or you were created to do it, but it was to pick up the experiences to create dots that connect in one great picture of who you're supposed to be. You guys still here? Lastly is this. One of the key roles of leadership in the body of Christ is to help people discover who they are and prepare them and then consequently re release them to go and do these things. Um, my role, as I understand it, and we'll see this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, says Christ himself gave the apostles. So these are spiritual offices. These are gifts. They call it the fivefold ministry. You know what I mean? Uh, apostles is one, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip his people for works. You know what's funny about the word works in Ephesians chapter 4? It's the same word that says works in Ephesians chapter 2. We're created to do good what? And my job, and anyone that has any of these offices or any of these anointings or any of these giftedness as a, a primary gifting, it's, it's not to get you to build my ministry so I can have a big church. It's me to build your ministry so you can have a big life. The reason for the apostolic anointing 
the reason for the prophetic anointing, evangelistic anointing, pastoral anointing, teaching anointing, is not for the, the, the prophets and the teachers and everybody can have big conferences. It's so that the people that, that are receiving from body type ministry, anointed offices of ministry, that you would have a life from which the world will never recover. <laughs> it's awesome. I love being me. Um, being a pastor is so much fun. Don't tell the deacons, but I'd do it for free. I'd pay to do this, right? I don't win as a pastor unless you win as a person in this church. So we're going to take a month, man. I mean, we're talking about the wasting of time and the wasting of money and debt and mammon. Why? Because it is my job to prepare you for the works that God created you for. And I love that. When, when you guys get it, and you say, and when, when Desi quits the job and goes for it, I had nothing to do with that that I'm personally aware of, other than I'm a great inspiration to all men uh, with my humility and good looks, right? But when I heard about that, there's a part of me that goes, boom, like that's it, right? That, that is so great. Took all those experiences, all those, you know, on the ball field and all that. Now he's happily married and, you know, there's babies popping out and there's just like, I, this is it. Like it's time now. All of these dots connecting to this one moment. Um, I love that. That, that is in, in many ways my paycheck. Jesus is at the well uh, in Sychar, just outside of Samaritan Village. A woman comes out. They have a dialogue. She's as hard as hard can be. She's been married five times. She's shacking up with Bubba right now, and she hates everybody, and she's there in the middle of the day avoiding everybody. Jesus has a dialogue. She puts her faith in Jesus. She walks away. And the disciples say, Master, the reason you're here by yourself to begin with is it's hot. You said you were hungry. You said you were tired. You sat down because you were exhausted. Like, we know what's happening. We saw that look on her face as she went back to the village. It's about to be a riot or a revival. But there's nothing. It's not won't be relaxing. And here comes the village. Like, Master, please eat something. And Jesus says this. Hear this. He said, I have food that you know nothing about. And that food, hear me, Jesus says, there's something so satisfying to me emotionally, spiritually, that my physical body is now as if it were nourished. That will, that, that, that job, that nourishment is to do the will of the one who sent me. Because I, I mean, can I say something, guys? That bread is for all of us. That nourishment is for all of us. I taught nine times last week. I did a funeral yesterday afternoon and a wedding yesterday evening. You say, well, that must have been hard emotionally. You know, dearly beloved, we're gathered, dearly beloved, we're gathered here. Listen, I love it. You know why? Because it's not what I do. It's who I am. I love being there with that family. A thousand people gathered in a Cadillac dealership for the family as an automobile family, and they were just people on the balcony. And I mean, a car dealership that's like a mezzanine. They're everywhere. It was just so beautiful to be a part of that and to share for a few minutes. It's, I mean, the funeral mass on Monday. I get to do a reading, you know, which is hilarious because I'm, I'm I don't even know how to. You know what I mean? Like I don't. I'm not sure which way is the first way. I got literally. I mean, at a priest, like, would you coach me so I can? I don't want to offend it. Is this the right way? That was it. Never mind. I don't have to bother the priest now. Right. So here's one of the key questions. How, how do we help people discover their why? Uh, that says I have 16 minutes, but you say I have two. So let's just try this, all right? Um, we're going to ask questions. What's your passion? And, and we're going to get to this just in a moment, but what's your passion? What is it that thrills you? What are the things that you do when you're done doing the things that you have to do? What are the things that you want to do? It's a clue. It, it's not like, oh, that's it. It's my passion. I'm supposed to hunt deer. No, no, it's, it's, a, it's a clue. And God may very well use deer hunting, right? Come on, say amen, because they're listening, guys. Amen, amen. That's right. If, if women ever found out the price of venison per pound, yeah, never mind, never mind. Second question we ask is, is what's your pain? This is next week. Bring your hanky, because we're going to go deep into the things that bother us, and we're going to say, what is it that kills you? 
One of the things our culture never likes to ask is that question. We avoid pain at all costs, and literally it's robbing many people of their superpowers. Pain will cause you to do things that passion never will. If you're passionate and you succeed, you'll level off. If you're passionate and you fail, you'll give up. If you're in pain, you do not have that luxury. You're in pain, you continue to pray. You're in pain, you continue to serve. You're in pain, you continue to rescue. You have no choice. You cannot rest because you are in pain. Third question is this, is proficiency. What, what fills you? What thrills you, kills you, and fills you? What's your passion, pain, proficiency? All right? So a few weeks from now, my hope is that, that you're going to have three circles that have some answers in them. Do, should we make a, a resource for you guys to actually write in things or no? Can you do it on your journal? Yes, if I buy a journal, Jim. I got it. I like deer in the head like, ah. Oh. <laughs> Suddenly I'm talking to a wax museum, and I don't know what happened. I don't know what changed. Yeah. On your cell phone? Okay, that's, that's better. Welcome back to the Freedom Center. So glad that you joined us. So we're going to take these three circles, and this is what we hope to do in the very end, is to find where those three circles concentrically overlap and, and create a next. This is, I think, if I could get up every morning and do this one thing, if I could focus in this one place, I am passionate about it. It relieves the pain in the world that I, I, just, I, just, I just can't stand it. Anybody ever, ever been really moved, touched, irritated, bothered by something that nobody else around you seemed to have any concern with whatsoever? Okay, that's a clue. That's Listen, not everybody doesn't get the same pain because not everybody's supposed to do the same thing. We can't all walk around with every pain, right? It'd be like, you know, First Church of the Eeyore. Ugh. We're supposed to look like sunshine, not bulldog, right? The only way to get my bulldog to smile is to roll her upside down. All the wrinkles just turn upward. It's beautiful, <laughs> right? So just for a brief moment, and Pastor Kyle, if you join me back up here again, let's talk a little bit about your passion because this is kind of the focus of, of the week. This is a simple thing. Passion is the easiest to know about. It it's really is the thing that we do when we're done doing the things that we have to do. What is it you want to do? What is it that's unique in you that you want to do? And again, oh, it's not deer hunting because that shouldn't be on there. Listen, there are things that deer hunting prepares you for. There are deer hunting ministries you know, there, there are fathers that have wayward sons, and the best way to get them together is put them in a deer blind and tell them both to shut up, right? There's an old saying amongst hunters. See, see fellows, and, and I guess ladies too, if you know how to finish a sentence. Those who go hunting with their sons will what? Never have to go hunting for with their sons. You say, well, it doesn't matter. I, I, I'm really into Michigan football. It's my passion. Well, okay, I, I, then, then let's do this. Let's buy season tickets. Let's get enough so that you can go with whoever you want to go with. But let's make it a meaningful thing. I, I, have a, I have a football ministry. I go to those games, and I always bring people that need a man like me in their life. I always make sure that the ladies that are left behind, I, I get the men out of the house so my wife can have meaningful conversations with their wives. Like, there, how many guys know God can take anything we love and turn it into a ministry? And the clue to your identity is often found in what you're most passionate about. If for no other reason, hear me, you will not be satisfied doing things you weren't created to do. And let me say this very plainly. It would be wrong of God to bless you where you're not supposed to be. I didn't just tell you to quit your job. I didn't just tell you to leave your spouse. But what I did tell you is this. A loving God gives us the ability to feel pain, loneliness, emptiness, because it drives us to movement. The noun of dissatisfaction has become the verb of action when I put my hand on a stove. We'll talk about pain next week, but I want you to hear me. What are you passionate about? I have always, always, from my earliest memories, I have loved 
public speaking. Ask any of my elementary school teachers, junior high school teachers, high school teachers. Ask my drill sergeants. And if they don't remember, I'm just, I was the guy with the short hair and the glasses. They'll remember me right away. You know. Ask anybody I've ever worked for. They'll just say, Jim, Jim likes to talk. And this is because I love the sound of my own voice. It's just there's a certain satisfaction that comes to me when I get to be me that way. Does that make sense? Now, some of you are like, well, that ain't me. It's like, great. Job security. I love it. Fine. But, but am I right or am I wrong? When you, get to, when you guys get to stand up there and be you, isn't there a, you know, what, what was the paycheck? It's like, ah, it's not even about a paycheck anymore. We found us. We found what we're supposed to be. We, we have another step in our identity. And, and we're hammers now driving nails rather than hammers trying to figure out how to get the stupid screw in. You ever tried to drive a nail with your wife's shoe? It makes you grateful for hammers. In the same way, guys, some of us are, we're, because we're not passionate about what we do, we're not great at it. And I get it. There's security. It's, it's all built against us. Let's get them basically educated. Let's get them deeply in debt. And they'll serve us the rest of their lives because they have no choice. Does that seem like freedom or slavery to you? Let's get them so busy. Let's get them so deep in debt that they have to be our slaves. Forgive me, but that is a legitimate question that lots of very wealthy people have asked about your life. $4 billion spent last year on advertising the product of debt to you as Americans. The most marketed culture, society in the history of the world. The day in which we live now there are more commercials, more billboards, more pop-up ads, more logos, more than it there ever been in the history of the world. You are inundated a thousand, a thousand, a thousand times a day, a day, a day, over and over and over again. And I'm telling you, the world has a purpose for your life. But I'm also telling you, God has a purpose for your life. And you want to find God's purpose, even if it costs you the world's accolades. Maybe that salary isn't so huge. Maybe that, you know, but I'm just telling you, you'll be worth more when you do what you love someday than doing what you hate for the rest of your life. If you're a deer hunter, be the best deer hunter in the history of deer hunters. Make your own rifle. Make your own gutting knives. Tan hides. Make knives out of antlers. Buy land. Whatever you got to do. But you can literally make a, if you're passionate, I don't literally, I know people that are passionate about deer hunting. They make a living out of deer hunting. I know because the big dead deer on my wall, I got from their ranch. And somebody said, amen, amen, amen. It's dead. It's mounted. It's meaningless. I put an Ohio State hat on it and just spit on it. It's wonderful, you know. The Monday after I met Jesus, I went to school and started sharing my faith publicly. I asked the teacher to leave the room. She said, Jim, I get fired if... <laughs> If I leave the room and let you talk about Jesus, the separation of church and state, I get fired. I said, Mrs. Wallace, you hate your job. I'm doing you a favor. She left the room. <laughs> anyway, I love it when the light comes on. I love it. It thrills me. And so let's just land the plane. There is such a thing as a corporate vision. Did you know that? There is such a thing as a, somehow this house or this family or this group or even this denomination like the Salvation Army back in its heyday or you know what I mean just, there's a corporate passion we were drawn to it because we shared that passion we were drawn to it because that was our pain and it was a, a mechanism to relieve it um, the passion of this house is to lead people to Jesus uh, love God love people love to serve well, what's that saying you've been saying a lot lately babe it's full 
win the lost at any cost that doesn't cost us our belief. And what's funny is I think I said that originally, but I, one of the parts about being 54 is you're really glad people have memories around you. you know? Somebody said amen. The rest are like, I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. I was talking to you then. Stand your feet. Nobody leave, please. Let's, let's just do this in closing. We want to lead people to Jesus, but how many guys know that, that even, even Jesus, and I want to say this very carefully, but even Jesus will in some ways be unsatisfying without the purpose for which Jesus created you. And I, I'm not saying Jesus can't satisfy us. I'm saying this. I believe Jesus won't fully satisfy someone who's in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong way. I would not bless my child for doing the wrong thing, the wrong way, the wrong place, the wrong time. I would, I would actually try to create and generate some pain, some dissatisfaction to get them to educate through experience what they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to be doing. My son, Pastor JD, where are you? Everybody's where? Okay, yeah, you and Josh, I look identical today. Um, to my eyes, anyway. Every once in a while, we'd be driving down the street and a song would come on and I'd ask you a question. Do you remember the song and the question? Switchfoot, this is your life. Are you who you want to be? For the last 15 years, every time that song has come on, I've said, J.D., he's like, Dad, shut up. I know what you're going to say. I think it's a valid question. I think we should get in the habit of saying, what's my passion? What's my pain? What's my proficiency? I think we should get in the habit of saying, what's your passion? What's your pain? What's your proficiency? I think we should get in the habit of when someone comes to Christ, we should ask them, that's wonderful. What did God save you from? And what do you think God saved you for? Because until we find meaning in Christ, we'll continue to go back to a world that, that, that fakes pseudo-meaning over and over and over again. Close your eyes. Let's just do this. Father, I pray for everybody that is here today, God, that, that either doesn't know Christ or doesn't know who they are. I pray, God, that today you would reveal your son by faith into our hearts. My friend last week, he heard a voice uh, a year ago, October 7th, but he, he, he somehow felt a touch a week ago. Whether we hear a voice or feel a touch, let our hearts acknowledge and recognize and admit and confess and, and embrace Jesus as Lord today. Listen to me, guys. If you're here and you're not right with God, I, I, I wish I could tell you there's a wonderful life that you could live without him. But not only is there not a wonderful life in the next life, it, even, it can't even be fulfilling here. The suicide rates of successful people, you think they'd go down? They actually go up the more educated, the more prosperous, those that have more things. Because when they got the thing they thought they wanted to make them the person they wanted to be, they realized it was ashes and dust too. And at some point they just said, I, I guess the only thing left to do is stop hurting. If you're in this room right now and you don't know who you are, it's, it's not because you haven't had an aptitude test. It's because you don't know the creator of your soul who made you for a purpose. You are his poem. And until you allow his pen to write your next line, your next stanza, your next paragraph, your next page. You will feel what it's like to just wait for that day. Though you can do all the things that happy people, successful people, people might do, you know in your heart of hearts you just ain't there yet. Let me tell you something. The most satisfying thing I've ever done is to receive Jesus and have my sins completely forgiven and then say what's next. If you're here right now and you need to say either one of those things, would you say them right now to Jesus? God, forgive me. Every sin, every trespass, every transgression, every, every lie, every burst of anger, every, every ounce of unforgiveness that would keep me from going forward and, and tie me down to a failed past. God, I, I release, I forgive, and I receive forgiveness from you. And now the second question is this. Do you know who you are? 
You might be 70 years old and legitimately say, I don't know who I am, and that's okay. That's okay. Abraham didn't know he was going to be the father of nations until he was 70 years old. Moses didn't know that he was going to be a deliverer and a prophet until he was like 70 years old, right? 80 years old. It's never too late, and it's never too early. Jeremiah, when he heard the voice of the Lord say, you know, you're a prophet and do this, he said, oh, no, no, please hang up and try your call again. I'm just a kid. Listen, what I'm trying to say is this. Don't let anything age-related disqualify you from the greatness God created you for. Every day is going to make sense someday if you, if you understand what I'm saying. When you kill a giant, you realize what that anointing was for. Father, I pray, illuminate our hearts. Without your voice, we're lost, but with you, we're found. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You guys having fun? So here's your homework. You ready? Everybody say homework. I want you to write go blue 20 times on your notebook. Here's your homework. What is my passion? Come back next week with some words, some descriptions. Some. I'm going to be a gym teacher, seventh graders in the Huron Valley. Like, no, just I, I like kids. I like physical activity. I like, you know what I mean? Just come back, having written down, think about it, having written down what you're passionate about. Don't worry that it, it can't be monetized. Don't worry that it doesn't connect. That's what the rest of the month is for. Right now, just be honest. I'm really passionate about laying bricks or I'm not. I'm really passionate about, you know, teaching school or I'm not. Really passionate about my job or I'm not. Write down what you're passionate about. Give yourself permission to dream. You're the only thing God created that has the ability to envision a tomorrow that's different from today. It's a superpower. Don't waste it. Altar workers are coming forward. If you need prayer for anything at all, man, they'd love to pray for you. Guest reception in the back room in the back corner. If you haven't had a chance to connect with anybody, like, I don't know, I'm just here, I'm new. I want to meet some people on staff, then good for you. In the meantime, live long and prosper. If you need the, the blessing of energy, come to this aisle right here, and he'll give you the Bugs Bunny anointing. God bless you. You're dismissed.